When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Better off. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Pod of Their Own. This is episode 169 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McKig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarevich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So the Mets continue to be extremely not fun to talk about, but we're going to have to talk about them. Um, They lost two out of three games to both the Astros and the Phillies on this most recent road trip, and things have gone from bad to possibly the worst vibes of any Mets team in my lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I kind of can't even believe they won those two games. It really (laughs) doesn't feel like it. They won no. the two games that Max Scherzer pitched. That's it. <laughs> um, How's tonight's game going? Uh, not great, Bob. Um, so there were two games in particular um, that were particularly heinous um, in in these two series. They could have easily won two out of three in each of these series. And then we'd be having a We probably wouldn't be having a very much different conversation because obviously the Mets would still be pretty far back in the standings uh but we would be having a slightly more cheerful conversation than we're having um, the vibes would be much different yes um but they lost two very winnable games um both of the series finales uh on Wednesday and then yesterday um as we record this on Monday June 26th um yesterday's loss was particularly heinous um, Gary Co- Cohen called it the most horrific loss of the season, and that is probably accurate. I cannot argue with him. Um, and Brett- not only accurate, but like the competition is fierce. It is. Yes, it's true. It's not like it's not like they've been, you know, not being handed uh, heartbreaking losses week in and week out. They have been, but this one was particularly bad. Um, partially because it was the Phillies, but. Just it was just bad all around. Um, 
Brett Beatty made a horrible defensive play um, in the game. He, what should have been a double play, he got zero outs on. He, uh, he didn't really field it cleanly, and then he kind of miffed the throw as well. So instead of two outs, he got zero outs, and then the bullpen proceeded to melt down completely. Um, Josh Walker walked the bases loaded, um, and then that was when the the double play that wasn't happened. Um, Jeff Brigham was in the game at that point. Josh Walker recorded zero outs. Jeff Brigham came in the game. Brett Beatty blew a double play that could have gotten them out of the inning with maybe just one run scored. Um, but then Brigham proceeded to walk in a run and then hit two consecutive batters to force in two additional runs and what ended up being the go-ahead and ultimately winning run. Um, yeah, so that's what happened uh, in yesterday's game. Uh, David Robertson was warming at one point. But Buck Showalter refused to use David Robertson, despite him being apparently available. Um, and it's it's the same stuff that he used to do. Uh, it's the Zach Britton thing all over again. He's saving his best bullets for later, and later never comes. Um, going well, I feel into- like this is also karma for all the years we laughed at the Phillies having a bad bullpen. And it's I mean, not. Fair, the Mets have always had bad bullpens. This I feel like if this is karma bad. for the Phillies bullpen being so terrible. Then what about like the last like 10 years of the Mets bullpen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, their best reliever went down for the season or, you know, maybe not the whole season, but most of the season, if not all season um, during the World Baseball Classic. And then um, they, you know, they were they were one arm short there. And then obviously Drew Smith has been suspended and was he just came back today um, and was suspended during this Philly series. So he couldn't be used in any leverage situations. And the Mets filled out these remaining slots with optionable, what they call optionable relievers, um, meaning they're not very good. (laughs) Um, And so this is what happens when you prioritize being able to like cycle guys in and out by optioning them and not have to risk exposing them to waivers. Um, you know, this is what happens. Your bullpen just ends up being bad, mostly. <laughs> but think of the roster flexibility, Allison. Yeah. I mean, they need please do- think of the roster flexibility. They need to do this because of Drew Smith and they were pitching a pitcher short. So the second that they pitched a guy, they needed to send him back down. So John Curtis, my dude, not to get extra soapboxy about my dude, but John Curtis pitched very well and got sent down. And he so he was not around for these games. Instead, it was Jeff Brigham and Josh Walker getting the high high leverage uh, spots. And that's just like not good. Not that I'm saying John Curtis would have necessarily done any better. But like this is what happens when you just cycle guys in and out. Um, Grant Hartwig's pitched pretty well. But (laughs) um, I feel like it's like, you know, this is like he's he'll pitch well for maybe a little while and then he'll have his blow up game eventually. I'm sure um, this is what happens when you only have three dudes in the bullpen who can get outs at any given time reliably. So like they're all just dudes at this point, like one's just as bad as the other. Like none of this matters. It doesn't matter who's in the bullpen. They're all just bad. Yeah. I mean, so going into yesterday's game, as bad as things were. I, we talked about this on last week's podcast because obviously last week the Mets were in a bad situation and we were starting to talk about like who could lose their job. Um, 
And now it's even worse than it was. Um, and I did not think last week that they would fire Buckshow Walter midseason. Um, I feel a little differently now um, because of because of mostly because of yesterday's game, because he made a bad managerial call, didn't take responsibility for it and is managing like a guy who is completely given up. Yeah, the things that he's been saying in press conferences are not inspirational leadership quotes. No. Well, it's pretty depressing. It, this whole week, I've seen quotes from Brandon Nimmo accepting responsibility, Francisco Lindor accepting responsibility, Brett Beatty accepting responsibility, Jeff Brigham accepting responsibility. The one person who is not the manager. Right. I mean, Buck Showalter basically shrugged his shoulders after that game and said, what can you do? We threw all our bullets out there. We we didn't, though, because no. you had David Robertson warming in the bullpen, who's been your best reliever this year. He was clearly available and you didn't use him. So you didn't fire all your bullets. And he just was like, I don't see what I don't see what what you guys are all upset about. And it's like, seriously, man, like what? Yeah, there have like- been two two things that he said recently have really just like. I I was very much in the camp of like firing Buck Showalter will bring on more trouble than it will solve. But the fact that like yesterday he was saying, I don't understand the problem here when like it's literally the exact same problem that you had five years ago. Big guy. Um, sorry. Eight years ago. I don't know math. Um, <laughs> seven years ago. Got it. So there's that. The like, I don't see the problem. And then today talking about like how it's not his job to assign blame. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand that talking about blame this and blame that isn't really how you like show leadership. Like, that's not a useful strategy for an organization to like focus in on. But the fact that he's like, that's not my job. I'm like, whose job is it? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. I mean, I really like who is running the show in that clubhouse? It doesn't seem like there's big problems between like players. Thank God. Yeah. But also like what a mess everyone is all the time. The rookie Brett Beatty showed more accountability than Buck Showalter did. He said this loss is on me there. Yeah, exactly. Brett Beatty does want to be there. Buck Showalter clearly is done with this and doesn't want to be there anymore. And that's why I think he's going to get fired because he doesn't look like he wants to be there anymore. Which is a real pain in the ass because it would it would be better for the team to be able to have some sort of a steady hand through this season. Exactly. That would be nice to have. Well, even today, when they were talking about why in God's name they're having David Peterson pitch tomorrow, he was like, well, it was basically Jeremy Hefner and the other guy's decision. Like, he took no responsibility for that. It's like, it, he made it seem like he wasn't 100% on board with having David Peterson. I mean, I can believe that like Epler didn't want to bring up anybody else for whatever reason. Yeah. It's, and then he is sort of like sort of his hands are a little bit tied in that case. Like he can really only start the starter that he is given because everyone else is just tapped. Yeah. But it's just another instance of him throwing other guys under the bus. Cause he originally said it was a group decision and then he was like, Oh, but it was that group. It was mostly those other guys. Um, Yeah. And so when Peterson fail inevitably fails tomorrow, you'll be like, well, wasn't me. I, I didn't him. decide on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I think that 
I think that there's a clear disconnect between Buck Showalter and this front office. Um, between that and just like his decisions and like the way he didn't play Mark Vientos. Now, like, again, I'm not actually super mad about that the way that some people were. Um, but I do think that his, his not playing Mark Vientos often when he was brought up by the front office was an indicator that Buck Showalter and the front office are not on the same page about rookies, about Mark Vientos specifically, about usage of certain guys, um, just the way that he's like playing certain guys and it just it just doesn't speak well. Well, um, and that and that also circles back to an Epler problem because yes. you know, I mean, granted, like there's only so much a GM can do to make their manager do the right moves, but also like how are y'all not having these conversations before they come up? Right. Like that it it really seems like they're sort of figuring it out on the fly. And you would think in a functional organization with functional leadership that if you realize there's a conflict in styles ahead of time, that you need to put in extra care to getting everyone on the same page. And they are not doing that. They are not even putting in regular care. No, not even putting in regular care. Um, Yeah. And and the way that um, something that was kind of particularly alarming to me, too, about like the standing of Buck Showalter right now in uh, in the clubhouse and, you know, just the, the organization is the way that he he said that Adam Adovino and Brooks Raley were not available. And Adam Adovino immediately came out and said he was available. So, you know, I'm not necessarily siding with the player here and saying, oh, my God, like Buck Showalter, Adovino says he's available. You should have used him because, you know, there are certain situations. Players are always going to want to play, right? Like there are certain situations where the manager just has to be the adult and manage and say, no, you're not available today because you need rest. Fine. But usually the player will not directly contradict his manager to the media like that. Um, unless he is upset about the situation and it wasn't dealt with properly. Yeah, Anafino doesn't seem like the type to just cause trouble either. To stir shit for no reason. So that was sort of the first, I mean, like, that's indication number one to me that Buckshaw Walter might be losing the clubhouse. And indication number two to me is just the way the the way they've been playing, not just losing games. Like, that's one thing. Like, players underperforming, you know, like, that's something that can happen. That's random variance that can occur. That's unfortunate luck that can happen. I'm talking about the sloppy play, the mental mistakes that the Mets are making. It's not and just it's happening you know, over and over again, yes, too. Yes. It's not like they had a bad few days. It's It's been all season. They are just regressing in every way. Getting picked off, making bad base running decisions, making sloppy fielding errors that they've like never players who have never made those type of errors. Like Brand, Brandon Nimmo. So the the game that they lost on Friday um, there were two defensive miscues that basically like cost them in aggregate the game because like I think like four of the five runs that the Phillies scored were because of those miscues and wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for them. One of them was Brandon Nimmo, and he hasn't made an error since 2021. And I think it was like halfway through 2021. So it's been like a season and a half since Brandon Nimmo's made an error. 
and he made an error. Well, like, and also you the, just don't see that. Yeah, and the misplay between Fam and Lindor too. Lindor does not do that. Lindor does not do that. Lindor makes errors sometimes, but he does not make a miscommunication on a play like that where there's a shallow pop-up it's between the shortstop and the left fielder the left fielder's coming in the shortstop's coming out the shortstop calls off uh Lindor is usually very good at that and like calling guys off or or backing off to let the outfielder call when it's his ball they miscommunicated and the ball dropped between them it was an easy pop-up and it cost them like two runs and if it was if it was just that one you would say like Man, even a great player like Lindor, a really good communicator, can sometimes just slip. But it has been over and over and over again. Like, it's, they're just consistently sloppy. Well, even today, Verlander got a pitch clock violation. Even that's still continuing. Like, these little things aren't getting resolved, and they add up. Yeah, the Mets in particular, I mean, this is kind of a different conversation, but the Mets in particular are being hurt by the pitch clock. We've talked about this a little bit yeah. because in part because their roster, their pit, their pitching staff in particular trends older. And it seems like Verlander and Scherzer, the grizzly veterans who are very set in their ways, are very upset about the pitch clock because Verlander and Scherzer have had have had similar issues now where it's about it's about the warm up pitches and how many warm up pitches they can throw. And they threw like a warm up pitch after the 30 seconds had elapsed and they were both like really pissed about that because they didn't think that that should be a thing. Um, But it is part of the new rules. So they're going to have to they have to adapt to it. Um and yeah, it just seems like they are. A lot of the Mets are checked out. Um, well, and that's, that's not good. That also, I feel like the organization is waving a white flag by having Peterson pitch tomorrow too, because now they have to see what they have for next season. They might be comfortable with what they know they have in Lucchese now, but you know, to plan for next year, are Miguel and Peterson because. This is going to be a rotation next year, Carrasco. Let me answer that question for them in case Billy Epler is scratching his head so hard he bleeds. Uh, No, you cannot use these guys next year. There we go. (laughs) Next. Next. Thank you, next. Um, Yeah. But but, but let's show how Yotani walks through that door. This is it. (laughs) Yeah, like... Well, I mean, I mean, if that was truly, if they're looking at, and I mean, also if, if Billy Epler is looking at next year and thinking like, well, which of these three awful pitchers should we have in the rotation? That's, I mean, immediately reason why he should be gone yesterday. Um, <laughs> but like, I, that, I mean, that's just ri- ridiculous that they should even be, you know, lowering themselves to that thought at this point. Like it's, just absolutely absurd to think that they would throw away another year on this garbage rotation. I can't think of any other reason to have Peterson pitch far when they very easily could have held Lucchese back. They knew it wasn't a surprise. It's not like there was a rain out where they're like, oh shit, we need a starter for Tuesday. This was planned. And they they optioned McGill. They optioned him. And they actively made the choice to go with David Peterson. So I have I mean, I no other they, reasoning for this. I think it's a talent evaluation issue where they <laughs> still think that they can get something out of David Peterson. They still think they can fix him. Yeah. yeah. But he well, literally and, and, has a six ERA over his last five starts. He's yeah. not doing well at all. No, yeah. And I, and if there's anybody out there who's going to fix him, I don't think it's Jeremy Hefner. No. 
I mean, like fixing guys does not seem to be his strong suit. We already we already said like last week before we were talking about Buck Showalter getting fired midseason that it was way more likely that Hefner would get fired. And the fact that he's honestly still here is like kind of surprising to me. Well, that's the other thing. It's you know you're sending the message to this play is acceptable by allowing these people to keep their jobs. Yeah, like. Yeah. I am definitely, I, I definitely agree that I still haven't changed my my stance on the fact that I don't think firing Buck Showalter will change anything about the outcome of the season. That said, like he has, he he doesn't, he hasn't merited the job. He doesn't merit the job anymore. Like he just, if he if he got fired today, it would be deserved. I don't think anyone could argue otherwise. And I am, I have defended Buck Showalter for much longer than most people have. Um, like basically up until now, <laughs> um, because I thought he was a good guy with the clubhouse. Like clearly he's lost the clubhouse. I thought he was like, he's, he's personally a good guy. I still think that's true. Um, and you know, he has, I knew that he had flaws as an in-game tactician. Those have borne themselves out. That said, I think that it is worse now than when he was in Baltimore, even. I watched a lot of Buck Showalter-managed Orioles games. I did. And it was not... I know that, like, the Zach Britton game is the one that everyone knows about, but that's just because it happened in the spotlight in the playoffs. He was not making blunders that bad day in and day out, but it feels like he is on the Mets. And I just don't understand how he can say, with a straight face... David Peterson pitches the ninth when the Zach Britton discourse was probably one of the like the most talked about incidents of his career and he learned nothing from it and he talks about how he learned from it and he clearly didn't because he's still making the same mistake (laughs) like in the moment did he just not think I don't I don't know yeah I don't know I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, the it, the Mets seem checked out, and they are. They, there is already evidence that they are soft selling at the deadline because they have already sold one player. Oh, I know. <laughs> our men. Oh. Yeah, this sucks. This makes me sad. It makes me sad. I mean, I'm not like mad about the trade because like. What are you gonna do? Like they 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 suck because they have to sell. <laughs> um, so the Mets traded Eduardo Escobar to the Angels for two minor league pitchers, um, Coleman Crow and Landon Marco. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if that's how Landon's last name is pronounced. I apologize if I massacred that. I'm not very good at French. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a French last name. I'm not very good at French. Um, but um, those two pitchers are ranked 19th and 20th in the Angels system, respectively. Um, I, you you guys should listen to for from Complex to Queens, who I'm sure talked about this trade and talked about the return a lot more than we are going to um, and know a lot more about these guys than we do. Um, but I've talked a little bit to people who know more about this stuff than me. And uh, multiple people have said to me that Crow immediately becomes the Mets' second best pitching prospect behind Mike Vassell. Which um, says a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. <Thank you. laughs> 
not at all. I can't get very excited about that. It's not, <laughs> but it also is. It does say that this is not a nothing trade, and that that is good because I mean I think what you really worry about with a soft trade with this team is whether Epler or um soft sell is whether Epler has any idea what he's doing. Right. Um, which I do not. I I no. I I don't have confidence in Epler. I don't. I mean. It will take time for the this trade to play out, just like any other. So it's hard to know right now if this trade is any good. Um, and that's a, and the fact that Crow is actually hurt at the moment doesn't help. He's he, he's on the injured list in the minors. Um, I don't think it's like a super serious thing, but like he's not going to be like pitching in the in the Mets minor league system right away. So we won't see the immediate um, return. Um, but most people who are who evaluate trades say that this was a pretty good return for Eduardo for Eduardo Escobar for renting Eduardo Escobar and the Angels did desperately need third base help because I think Rendon is hurt again yeah um and they have no infielders basically so um doesn't even matter the Mets aren't going to develop anybody like this like we've talked about in 2017 all they got back were bullpen arms and only Drew Smith. Only Drew out. Smith emerged from the pile. Yes. Oh, I um, just, I can't care. I'm sorry. I just can't. We'll see what happens. Who knows? I, yeah, the Mets are really bad at developing pitching right now. Maybe, maybe he will be a guy. Maybe not. Or maybe, yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, between the Mets being horrible developing pitchers and me not trusting Billy Epler as a talent evaluator, I just... They're going to be here and gone. I just, I I don't see anything happening. But for, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that it was a bad trade to make. Um, no, you had to make it. I just don't foresee anything coming of it. Right. Um, But I am sad. Eduardo Escobar, according to literally everyone who has ever played with him, is an all-time teammate. And we know this. We've seen it. Um, I'm our, kind of like my heart goes out to the Mets social media. Yes, team. yes I was just gonna say that. <laughs> no more, no more. No five one, more minutes. Five more five minutes. minutes. <laughs> no one feels this loss greater than them. Yeah, their TikTok just got considerably worse. It did. Your <laughs> clicks above replacement. Really unfortunate. And Tommy uh, Hunter too. We already lost Tommy Hunter. He was so true. Anything too. So true. It's like. It's like the the Mets vibes are at an all time low, and they just took away two of the best vibes guys on the team. <laughs> like, where are the vibes now? The vibes are basically coming from like Lindor and Pete. That's like it. There are no other vibes guys around. No one else has vibes. And Eduardo Pete- Escobar was pulling way above his weight in vibes. <laughs> and Pete just has sad vibes now. Like when the Mets are bad, Pete. Like we've said, like. As Pete goes, the Mets go. And like he's the physical embodiment of the Mets vibes. Yes. And it's just sad Pete now. Just sad Pete. Um, the only other Mets bit of news is that the Mets are playing the Phillies next season in London. Right? <laughs> That's sure to be as chaotic as humanly possible. I imagine. Like I said, this is an active threat to the British. <laughs> I know it's not like like teams don't necessarily like it, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> I'm really excited. It is cool. Like, I can't like go or anything because I'm not a millionaire, but um, 
I love that it's happening. I love that some of our UK friends will get to to see the Mets. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those random, nerdy, weird things that just pushes the right button for me. Depending on how impossible or not it's going to be to get tickets, Michael and I are actually considering going because I have never been to London and I haven't been to Europe in over a decade. So I feel like it's like high time that I that we take a nice vacation and the Seems Mets playing it. in London would be the perfect opportunity for us to do it. So um, I guess I stay probably... tuned for a future walk off win, maybe hopefully if I get if I, <laughs> we can get these tickets and go. Because Taylor Swift is playing in Edinburgh the day before. So talk you... about not being a millionaire. Yeah. So you <laughs> can getting tickets to the Mets playing in London and Taylor Swift, please. Yeah. <laughs> so you could technically see Taylor. And then I looked it up and there's a five and a half hour train that goes from Edinburgh to London. So you and could... you just know it's going to be the nicest train you've ever taken. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, because they know how to do high speed rail over there and we don't. Um, so but if I wasn't already planning a trip to Paris next year, I probably would have considered it, but there's absolutely no way I can do both. Right. Yeah. I am not a millionaire. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm a public servant. <laughs> yeah. Us us Our not us not millionaires is five dollars a month. <laughs> yes, guys. Send us the London fund <laughs> our international coverage. We have wonderful things to say about baseball. And if enough of you would like to hear us say them in London, just subscribe. I'll do, I will 100% do like some sort of live stream or yeah. like live pod from London. But fund my London trip. <laughs> we uh, could like, you know, like do instead of our insomnia cookie live stream, we could, you know, taste British fare live stream. Yeah. Could eat some fish and chips and drink some tea. I yeah. am a hundred percent going to it like a tea room if if oh, I you go have to because I love tea and th- that's something the British and I have in common. Maybe some scones. Yeah, good French scones. too. French can kill it with the with some tea. So yes. oh, that's um, good to know. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll tell you where to go in Paris, Linda. Don't worry. Okay. All you. right. I got you. All right. The only you. country I've been to in Europe is Italy, and don't get me wrong, I ate very well, but they are not tea people, they no, are coffee people, <laughs> and that is not me, so I was not doing it with the hot beverages, although uh, the uh, Italian hot chocolate is, European hot chocolate in general is good, it, it's not the same thing as American hot chocolates. It's chocolate that's hot. Yes, it is like <laughs> melted chocolate in a cup. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so yeah, but yeah, the the Italians do coffee very well, which is unfortunate for me, a non coffee drinker. I am excited to go to a a, a tea a tea nation. <laughs> I think they would probably be actively offended if you ordered coffee in England. Probably, it's um, probably like Sanka or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about the all the Ted Lasso tea jokes now. Um, yeah, which always amused me. In the wider baseball world, um, I figured that it would be cool to highlight um, last week, The Athletic uh, did their first player poll um, since before the pandemic, since 2019. Um, And there was just some interesting things in there. 
some little interesting nuggets that I will share with the class. I haven't um, read it, so I'm excited to react in real time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I didn't tell, like, I didn't really tell Linda and Maggie I was I was doing this for the show. I too will be surprised. Exactly. So, um, so it, this is obviously the TLDR. You should go read the actual article because there are a lot of fun quotes in there from players. Um, so you should go and read that. I am just talking about the uh, the stats. Um. So no surprise, um, most players say that if they were starting a team today, Otani is the first player that they would sign. Yeah. That was like overwhelming. Um, so uh, and then they pulled the players and asked them which team they think that Otani will be on next season. The, the oh, majority, spicy. The majority of the players said the Dodgers, 57.2%. Oh. Um, and then it was kind of like a huge drop off after that. And then like a bunch of teams that were clustered together, including the Mets. So the Mets ranked fourth behind the angels actually. So there's like a certain percentage. The angels came in second. So the, some people think that he will stay with the angels. Um, and I think that was like, uh, maybe like 12 or 13%. I can't remember the exact number, but it was much lower than the Dodgers. Um, and the, and the Padres, uh, were the third, the third highest. And then the Mets came in fourth at 7.2% of the players pulled thought he would end up on the Mets. So, yeah. Um, and then most of the players who were quoted about it just said like, uh, well, there's only like three teams that can afford him and it's, and they're going <laughs> to get into a bidding war and the Dodgers will probably win. So, yeah, they're not wrong. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I don't always like tend to get on board with players assessments of like off field type stuff, but that seems like a pretty fair judge of the whole situation. Yeah. Um, then they also asked the players about expansion cities and which city they felt was the best expansion city. And Nashville was the overwhelming favorite. Um, oh, not Vegas, huh? Shocking. No, no. Nobody <laughs> actually wants baseball in Vegas. Nope. No. Um, Nashville was the overwhelming favorite. Montreal was a distant second, uh, but it was like 10% or something. Um and Nashville, um, a bunch. Well, when it comes to Montreal, a couple of players were quoted just like, "We want to go to Montreal every year. We want to do a trip." So that, so that's the reason I'm picking Montreal. But yeah, most players highly, Montreal. highly relatable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then they asked them about the rule changes. This was like a different sort of style of polling. It wasn't like a "Do you approve?" "Yes," "No." It was a like rank on a scale of one to five with five being this has improved the game immensely and one being it's made everything worse immensely. Um, and the average for pretty much all the rule changes was in like the high threes, like 3.7 to 3.9 ish. So in general on in aggregate, like on average, most players approve of, the rule changes. Obviously, there are probably certain players who said one and certain players that said five, but it averages out to the high threes. Um, so most players think the rule changes have been good for the game on average. Um, and I don't but- think that's all that different from what we've heard from other sources. I mean, even no. like, I know that pl- some players are really frustrated by the pitch clock, but it's out. But my understanding also is that there is an almost universal appreciation for the increase pace of the game yes that like that is a universally popular thing among everybody involved in baseball even the people who don't like the pitch clock itself right 
Um, and of the rule changes, uh, the pitch clock did score the lowest um, at 3.7 on average. Um, but and and an interesting sort of like sub uh, sub part of this is that most players felt the pitch clock rule should be different in the postseason. 60.7% of the players said the pitch clock rule should be different in the postseason. I don't know exactly what different means. Probably it means that it should be longer. Um, or you can't have somebody strike out with the bases loaded on a pitch clock violation in like the bottom of the ninth inning in the World Series. In the World Series, that yeah. would be. Well, of course, I would also point out that like a great measure of a rule and how good it is is if it holds up in high intensity situations. And if the pitch clock is too yeah. fast for the postseason, it's too fast all the time. Yeah, I agree, and that's why I still hate the the Manfred man. Because yeah. they 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 did away with it in the postseason uh, yep. for a reason. <laughs> and so I'm kind of just like, um, if you're doing away with it for the postseason, then that means it's probably bad. Um, Yeah. So pitch clock did score the lowest, but it wasn't like that big of a swing. It was like the other rules got three point nine and the pitch clock was three point seven. Um, The most of the players were pretty indifferent about the the bases being bigger which like i agree um that was the thing that we kind of were most indifferent about on the podcast too um most of the players just said like yeah the, the base is being bigger i'm in favor of it because of safety it hasn't had an appreciable impact on the actual game so it's good because we're safer um and one uh one uh guy did say like I think there are too many stolen bases now but that's not because of the bases it's because of the pitching rule changes yeah um, all the quotes were anonymous, obviously. Um, and the shifting rule, um, most players approved of it. Um, the, the righties felt mostly like it didn't really affect them all that much. And like teams are still shifting anyway. It's just like slightly limited. They feel that the shifting teams do is like not actually that severely impacted by the shift limitations um and lefties liked it because they were like it's helped my career a lot (laughs) (laughs) no the left-handed hitters were like i'm a lefty so i like the shift limitations the for the uh, methodology did they have did they interview the same amount of pitchers as hitters or was it just a random i don't remember i'd have to go back to the article they've done it when they've done it before they've i don't know if they've done an exact mix but they did try to balance it yeah yeah and balance across leagues too yeah because i'm wondering if that would skew the number like if you're only interview or you interviewed more hitters than pitchers would pitchers be more annoyed by the shift because now there's less outs in the game right yeah i'm trying to find you know the usually i link these things in the show notes and i completely forgot to do how dare you Alice, this mm-hmm. time so i'm kind of just like crap where's the article will be able to look this up just okay. throwing together these detailed helpful show notes every week without <laughs> yeah. even being asked so um, i don't even know where i was going with that one but trying to find the method. <laughs> i'm trying to find like which players they um, spoke to 103 players across 22 teams. Um, so that's all we know. Um, 
about what they think of some of the biggest storylines of the 2023 season. Not every player answered all the questions we asked. The number of responses will be listed on each question for transparency. But they were very game to discuss who they'd want if they started a team. Um, response to yeah, so a hundred and three. So the the like, who would you pick to as your first player that you would sign was all one hundred and three. It looks like uh, which team do you think Shohei Otani will play for? Ninety six responses. Best expansion cities a hundred. So it looks like these are all about a hundred players. About 100 responses. But they didn't say like pitchers or hitters. Mm-hmm. They didn't break that down. They just said yeah. across 22 teams. Um. So the the final question um, I felt was kind of of the most interest to this podcast probably. And I felt like it was an interesting question to ask. And I hadn't really thought about like I hadn't really thought about this question this way. Um. So they asked them kind of compared to before the pandemic or like, you know, compared to the last time they did this poll, are labor issues being discussed more often or less often or about as often in clubhouses? Ooh, that's juicy. Yes. That is spicy. Um, And I was surprised. I was surprised by the answer. Uh, About two thirds of players felt that issues or labor issues are being discussed about as often as before the Hmm. pandemic with the other third Uh, mostly the other third saying they're being discussed less only a small amount 7.4 percent of the players said that they were being discussed more so that's interesting because i feel like labor issues are kind of more in the forefront among fan discussion and like media discussion now um not just because not just because of the collective bargaining agreement um but because maybe because this latest CBA was so like public in the way it played out or also because of like the way minor leaguers have recently unionized. And like, I know that like our podcast audience and the people that I talk to about baseball and like my friends in baseball are probably a somewhat self-selecting audience in the sense that we generally hang around pretty like labor conscious folks. (laughs) Um, So maybe I, this is a biased like feeling on my part but i just feel like at least among fans and people who talk about baseball it's being talked about more but the players don't necessarily feel that way well it's also a little concerning since it seems that the owners and manfred keep taking 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 and there's not a lot of pushback on it yeah it's interesting and i'd be interested to know like with these players, like these players who are saying, Oh, it's the same as before. Like, are they players who are like interested in talking about it (laughs) or are they players who are like kind of indifferent toward talking about it and aren't super involved in being like union reps or like player reps or like in the CBA discussions or care about it all that much. Um, if they're like, yeah, it's the same as before. Like, I don't care. about. Or was it already at a super high level that they don't need to take it to another level? <laughs> right. So it's, it's I mean, I'm, that also might be part of it that they just feel like at this moment, they're not talking about it much at all because they just went through the lockout and all of that a couple of years ago, you know, a year plus ago. And it's not, you know, at the forefront of their minds anymore. But I would like it to be. <laughs> And one of the to be ready for whatever BS is coming their way. Yeah. And I want them to win, but okay. 
And this was the uh, this was the most spicy quote that was given because like the way the or- article is formatted is they give a graph of like the you know they they do data visualizations of the polling data and then they they uh, do a few quotes from players anonymous quotes um, underneath about the said question um, and the spiciest quote under the labor question was quote. Not at all. It's been a lot the the last couple of years. I'm glad this is anonymous, but a lot of people lost faith with the union. Oh, so that's interesting that one of the players is saying that people that players are losing faith in the players union. That is kind of not the first I hear of it, but like that's that's the first I've heard a player even anonymously just like out and out say that. Do they feel they're just being taken advantage of or do they say there's not a need for the union? I wish they would have elaborated more on that. Yeah, yeah I feel like there are two ways that you can. It's you know, similar to the people who don't approve of Joe Biden's job performance. Yeah, <laughs> like that can be because super why? different ways. Is it, it, so the players feel that way because all unions are communist or they yeah. feel that way because for all of these years, the union has been pretty quick to sign away a lot of their protections. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to like... Trying not to project onto them. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, the way I initially read that, and maybe, again, again, this is like my, this is me playing into it with all my biases, but the way I initially read that was this player expressing, like, that the union's not doing enough. Um, Because he said, it's been a lot the last couple of years. I'm glad this is anonymous. So it's kind of one of those, I think he's saying that like it like it they're not talking about it enough and he's frustrated by that. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the opposite way. Because um, yeah, like if you're not a company or you're not a union man, I can also see you being ostracized that way too. Yeah. Um someone said uh, a couple of a couple of different guys said that like it's quiet right now, but in the next few years, it'll probably ramp up more because right now everyone's getting used to the new rules and everything, and just like working out working that out. Mm-hmm. Um, someone did say the younger guys are much more aware and engaged now; they're really willing to ask questions and try to know what's going on. It wasn't always like that before, so that might be a person who said that it's more. I don't know. Um, Because, yeah, they don't match up the response, the the quotes with how they responded. Sometimes it's very clear (laughs) based on the quote, how that person responded to the question, but not always. But I get the sense that like they picked that quote from a guy who from one of the few people who might have said that they're talking about it more. And he felt like the younger guys were more engaged in a way that they haven't been before, which would line up with, I think, what we've heard and what we've seen in baseball media, especially with the unionization of the minor leagues. Um, So it was interesting though. So this was an interesting thing. This is an interesting thing that the athletic does um, every few years. They do these player polls and I find them fascinating because I like data. Yep. (laughs) Well, as I was was just thinking, like, as you were saying, you know, matching up the, the comments with the, the survey responses like I run and analyze surveys like almost on a daily basis as part of my job. And I can tell you those answers don't always match up anyway. 
It's like, yeah. oh, you liked this course, and yet you just spent 40 lines telling me all the things that you hate about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, no, it's very cool, interesting stuff. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, So, um, a short aside, uh, we want to continue to shout out players. It is still Pride Month, and we want to continue to shout out players who support Pride. So worth noting that and there Chris- are a lot of them this year. Yes, there are. Like we are like not. I wasn't counting in previous years, but it really does feel like you know without us going out and searching for them because we don't really. No, um, I'm not like weekly curating for the show notes. Like, yeah, no, it just like pops up on Twitter. And one of us this will, week. will send it to the other, but like it feels like a lot this year. Yes. Oh, so we should also say. Ty pitching on Pride Night. I can't really get too mad at Pride Night Ty for yeah. beating the Mets. <laughs> True. Because he even tweeted a picture of himself pitching on the mound with the Liberty Bell and the rainbow colors. I'm like, well, I can't get uh, mad at Ty for that. One. He's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Chris Taylor of the Dodgers um, actually hosted a Pride event, which is pretty cool. That's like a step further than like most guys we've seen. Like a lot of guys like wear shirts or like tweet about it or like on their social media, they'll say happy Pride. But it's pretty cool to see like a player actually like go out and into the community and do the work. Um, so that was pretty uniquely cool to see. Um, he hosted a Pride carnival um by the ct3 foundation um and it was it's kids and it's awesome and the social media post made me happy uh so yeah it was great the carnival featured game booths cotton candy gummy bear slime making rainbow tattoo artists rainbow jewelry making and photo booths god damn i wish i could have gone there with my kids everyone would have had so much fun would have been really cool it was really sweet that he, you know, actively like took an active role in it too. He it wasn't just, you know, he organized it. He showed up. Like that is a really cool thing to say. And exactly. that it's a kid-friendly pride event. Yes, which is really important because now more than ever, there's a fight against letting kids know that pride exists. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's a, it's it's nice to see someone actively supporting. Um, the involvement of kids, which should not be controversial. Kids yeah. are great at recognizing the validity of other human beings. They're yep. actually like really, really good at it. Yep. I don't know if Ricky Romero is still on the Blue Jays, but he did go to the Toronto Pride Parade. Excellent. We love to see that. And it looked like him and his children, and he had he wore his little Blue Jays rainbow rainbow hat and i guess he bought his wife and kids with them and they all had their rainbows on it was very sweet that he also made it a family event there you go exactly so um the only other kind of wider baseball thing um that's going on right now is uh phase two of voting for the all-star game began today um the only finalist for the mets is francisco lindor um who is a finalist at shortstop along with orlando arcia of the braves um so i was gonna ask you both if um we think any other met has a chance of making the all-star team like because he he got chosen by the manager or whatever obviously fan voting 
can only be Lindor tops. Um, but uh, do we think that any other Met has a chance of making it and who and like why? I think Alvarez might have a shot. As yeah, to me, my question on that, and this is like my own just sort of ignorance of the season is like, I'm trying to think of what other backup catchers, because I imagine they want at least three up there. And I'm trying to think of what three would come ahead of Alvarez. Sean Murphy. Yeah. I mean, Real Muto? Uh, yeah. JT Romito for name recognition, if nothing else. He's had yeah. a pretty good season, but not like a crazy good season. I mean, I could see Alvarez coming in as third after that. Yeah, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I think Pete will do, I, if he's healthy, I imagine Pete will do the the um, the um derby. Yeah. I hope so. And he might, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he got a got picked as a reserve yeah yeah. um and i think david robertson still has an outside chance to make the bullpen we'll see although the way the mets bullpen is these days i don't want david robertson throwing a single unnecessary (laughs) pitch fair enough true 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 so but i'll never like resent a guy taking that opportunity or anything it's just i would prefer that he not yeah, I, I, somebody's got to go. So Pete, maybe if Lindor doesn't get voted in, yeah, I think Pete would be the default choice if the Mets need to have like a requisite player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And can I just take this opportunity to say JD Davis was robbed? Aw, I bet of he being was. a finalist. Yes. Sorry. And voted, damn it. And the Giants put together a very lovely video trying to get him to get voted in. It was very sweet. Because he asked his teammates what else would he be in an all-star in. It was like, oh, he's thriving in San Francisco. They love him. You know why? It's the vibes. It is the vibes. Yeah. They're very happy. I mean, I will say the Mets have not been the same since the J.D. Davis trade. Yeah, you could say that. The vibes started to drop last season. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the vibes stink. were gone. The vibes were gone. Just putting that out there. Our love something. Love something as much as Billy Epler loves trading away his vibesy third baseman. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> his vibesy. Vibesy third baseman. Um, Does Beatty have vibes? We need to kill Beatty's vibes. Yeah, Beatty's vibes I mean, are, are still a work in progress. Beatty <laughs> is part of the lasagna lads. So. Right. Yes. Or pasta pals. Pasta pals. He's got vibes. There, there are there are there are nascent vibes. Yeah, because this is like the second generation cookie club. There are nascent vibes, but the Mets just lost again. Score went final. <laughs> I know. I just got it. literally as we I was like, should I say this. it? Nah. Nah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I love cool. how there are games that they lose, even though they're hitters scored eight runs and there are games that they lose even though their pitcher is only allowed two runs yeah they basically they either lose cover all the bases they lose the opposite they lose 10 to 8 or they lose 2 to 1 those are the options (laughs) (laughs) i don't like either of those options it's i would like to trade up please yeah for real but like you know i was thinking like i've completely checked out so i don't care um but there's really no like in 2018 they were bad but i still tuned in because jake 
was there and I tuned in for Jake and they don't have anybody like that that you just have to tune in for. I will say I if, like Lindor if, going full girl dad mode. I've enjoyed and, that. Yeah, experience. that's been fun. I would say also like I feel like a couple more good start good starts and I'm um and I'm tuning in for Scherzer. Yeah. My appointments. I'm because I still mostly am always trying to get to Scherzer starts. Um mm-hmm. or at least just catch some amount of them. Um and I had stopped trying for a little while and they were particularly bad starts. But I feel like he's on a path right now where it's not, you know, 2018 Jake because nobody is checked 2018 Jake. No. Um, even if if his the current state of his arm is to be believed, then even Jake himself was not <laughs> no, right. actually that. But like, yeah, I feel like um, now there, there there isn't really any appointment TV, though. Like, yeah, no, I would agree. If it would be anybody, it would be Scherzer. But. Yeah. Like Lindor's hot streak is going to end eventually. And, it is. Uh, um, and for a while before he got hurt, it was like Pete, like potentially hitting like 60 bombs this year. But now it's kind of hard to see. He's fallen off pace a little bit. He's still, he's still hitting bombs though. So Pete Alonso, he's still like, like if I am watching, I'm not leaving during his at bat. Like that's yeah. a important. I feel like that's an important achievement for a player is like, will Maggie sit through it even though she really has to pee? (laughs) That is, that is my own personal war measurement. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is a good measurement. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Bladders above replacement. (laughs) Um, so speaking of uh, the experience of attending a game in person, um, an article that uh, that dropped uh, recently, um, literally today, actually, on Baseball Prospectus by Daniel Epstein that I thought was really interesting um, was about the, the cost of attending a, a baseball game. And that's something that we've talked about on this podcast before. Um but he kind of went into we we've talked a lot about this in the context of like these articles come out that show like the um what's the word I'm looking for the fan cost index that's the like measurement that they use and like which teams have the highest one and which teams have the lowest one and yada yada um we've talked a lot about that um Dan's article is a little bit different and goes in into great detail about um how much it cost um, him and his family to attend a Yankees game. So they are a family of four. It's uh, it's Dan and his wife and their two kids, aged twelve and eight, and it cost them five hundred and twenty seven dollars to go to. Now a I will game. just just asterisk that that it does include a lot of things. extra things. Um. That said, those extra things should not cost the $250 that they did. And um, and people should be able to get extra things sometimes. Right. Like, this includes, the obviously, the price of the ticket, which is ridiculously high because it's Yankees. And keep in mind, this is Yankee Stadium. This is one of the highest, like, fan cost indexes, indices that there is um, in the game. New York is expensive. Uh, and Yankees are especially expensive. So the tickets were expensive. He sat in like the crappiest seats that you can sit in. It was like $45 pop. Um, but the, and it also includes transportation to the game. He lives in New Jersey. I am very familiar with this journey. 
um, <laughs> from on public transit uh, from New Jersey to, well, in my case, it's City Field, but it's not very different in terms of cost for him because, you know, the metro costs what it costs, the uh, the subway costs what it costs. And, the, and uh, if you go over the bridge, the bridge is going to cost what it costs. Exactly. Um, so they they went by train. They did not oh, go okay. by car. Um, the tolls, he added it up. The tolls would be even more than going by train, Oof. Um, which is it is the case because he has two kids who can ride for free on the weekend. So okay. that that he took into account um, for if you, if you have four adults then the train becomes more expensive than the car, I believe. I have not done that math recently, but from Jersey, all the, like, the George Washington Bridge toll, the Triborough Bridge toll, I'm going to call it the Triborough Bridge forever, sorry, folks. Um, the next three boroughs, you should call it that. <laughs> yes. Triborough Bridge toll, the the uh, the George Washington Bridge, the Jersey Turnpike, like, all the tolls, it's a lot of money. And gas, obviously. Um, so he he does uh, add the transit cost. Uh, he he points out in the article that his friend disagreed with with adding the transit cost into the cost because you know some people live in the city and it costs them like five dollars. But it's like in my mind, it's like you know the the team is not there to simply service the people who live immediately around the stadium right the team is there to service a metropolitan area and that includes people who live in the suburbs um well i got into this a little bit too with some folks on twitter as well because like you know like oh well he bought his daughter a stuffed animal and they got you know they spent 55 dollars on milkshakes and it's like first of all what is crazier buying three milkshakes or charging 1825 for a milkshake yeah exactly i mean i think and and i think i kind of like alluded to this earlier but you know it shouldn't always be the bare like you shouldn't have to exist in like the least convenient most uncomfortable bare minimum part of the game like it shouldn't be that kind of experience and especially shouldn't be that kind of nothing experience for what that part costs too. Cause like, okay, so it took him, it spent, he spent $500 getting a family of four to, you know, to a Yankee game and getting, you know, some toys and expensive milkshakes. Okay. So that's a choice that he made. But I'll tell you what, if I wanted to take my children on a weekend when they don't have school, if I want to take them to a baseball game, between the subway, just the subway, we don't have any other public transportation, and the cheapest face value tickets they have on Mets.com, I did the math. The, th- the three of us, three, would be $97.50. Yikes. Not, and that's, and I will say, talk about bare minimum, that's assuming we don't have a bite of food. I mean, yes, we can bring the food from outside. Let's assume that some kindly stranger gives us a free lunch. And a free bottle of water, and it's ninety-seven dollars and fifty cents to walk in the door and sit down. Like that, you know, it's what he described should not be anywhere near five hundred dollars, and what I'm describing should not be anywhere near a hundred dollars. Both ends of that market are totally fucked. Yeah. Well, and I went last year to a game. It was my niece's first game. So you want them to have a memorable game. You want them to have a good time. I bought her a stuffed Mets unicorn for $30. 
why is a unicorn stuffed animal 30 I didn't expect this little thing to be $30. And like the kids, you know, kids love Shake Shack. Yes. And, you know, and I'm happy to get them Shake Shack from every other Shake Shack where a hot dog is, you know, $4 and the fries are $4, but everything has the stadium upcharge and it's, I still get them the Shake Shack. Like, it's true. I could get them to a baseball game for under $100 if I didn't buy them the Shake Shack. But, like, why is it that I have to sit here and choose whether, you know, to, like, fight with my kids over Shake Shack for what should be a really special, nice day? Yeah. Just in order to get the price tag under $100? Like, it's one thing if that's how I'm getting it set up and I can get everyone in there for 50 bucks. Still not great. I don't have 50 bucks to blow on a regular basis, but okay. But we're talking the bare minimum experience and it's a hundred bucks. Like, no, that's just, that's just so messed up. And you want them to have the ballpark experience. Like you want them to have the Shake Shack. Like that's unique to city. Well, no, the nationals have Shake Shack, but you want them to, you know, experience everything the ballpark has to offer instead of just no gotta sit in your seats we're not spending any money just sit there watch the game and done like that's not that's not the ballpark experience and Mets fans are luckier than many because there are like in the cheapest tier of seats there are a lot of good seats um compared to many stadiums but it's still I mean you know say like oh well just you know instead of whatever Dan and his family was eating, you know, they're talking about like, oh, they shouldn't have gotten two cocktails. And it's like, fine, okay, but it's still $15 for a beer. Yeah. And yeah. eight bucks for a hot dog. Or so even you get a hot dog and a beer, and it's $24. Even if I wanted water, a water is eight dollars. Yeah. So what's the difference between a cocktail and a water? Four dollars? You'll feel the cocktail a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> It'll freak melt me forget how much I paid to get in the ballpark. And it's like, <laughs> I know that, like, again, yeah, people criticized, like, the fancy shakes that he bought and the unicorn toy. And it's like, you know, if you if you are criticizing that and don't, then you've never been to, like, a, a ballpark with a child who, like, needs yeah. to be, like, occupied and, like, will will pitch a fit if they see everyone else with these shakes and they don't have one um, and they're not super interested in like the the ex- the extreme ins and outs of the baseball game that's happening in front of them. They just want they're just they're there for the vibes and you got to provide the experience like Linda said. And so and it's not also, that it's a necessity, I mean- but like it's something that is part of the experience and shouldn't be inaccessible to like the majority of people. And the way that you can build up kids' interest in the game is by taking them a lot. And that's actually why, like, I am able to get away with cheaper visits than most, because for various reasons, including that I was a part-time employee of SNY for several years, um, I was able to get to a lot of inexpensive games with them. So I took them all the time. And it could be something that happened very frequently. And it could be something that didn't come with, you know, a lot of, like, other demands and distractions. And so now they're used to it. They come to games but they and they know what they get to eat and we don't necessarily always have to get toys. But if you don't have access in kids' early lives to super cheap tickets, then you're never going to be able to build up that expectation. 
Right. Exactly. So I think that, like, despite quibbles that people may have with the individual things that he paid for and wrote about, like, the overall point of the article is salient in that, like, it should not be this expensive for a family of four to simply attend a baseball game. Like, it's unreal. It's getting really bad. Baseball is supposed to be the sport that's most accessible to everyone because there's 162 games in a season. So on a per-game basis, it's a lot cheaper to attend than, say, an NFL game where there's only, you know, eight or nine home games. There's only, like, eight home games a year. And so those tickets are going to be ridiculously expensive, everything. And on top of the concessions being a similar price, um, parking, all that stuff. Well, and if you want to be, like, creating that love of the game in young fans, then sell $5 bleacher seats. Yeah. Yeah. Or 10 like, even if if tickets, if I could get tickets for me and the kids for $10 each, we would go to probably two games a month, maybe. Yeah. I would probably make that happen. Because, like, that would be... That means that I could feed them and just like pack a sandwich for myself. I could get everyone in and out for 50 bucks. I'm golden on that. It's a big, big price difference. Um, And it adds up. Yeah. Like I used to go, I used to, when when the Orioles had student nights, I used to go for $7 all the time. All the time. And, you know, if I could go for that amount, then I would go a lot more. I I went to Camden Yards like more often like than in the years I lived in Baltimore as an adult and it wasn't even my team than I ever went to City Field in a season when I was living at home because I had to get there from New Jersey tickets were more expensive everything was more expensive Well and then like we've said the minors are always a nice cheaper option but they got rid of half their minor league teams so now you can't even go to a minor league game Yeah now fewer and fewer people live in proximity to affordable baseball. Yep, it stinks. Yeah, That's like sad. how do you how are you ever going to grow the game? Like even the Mets way back when they had you know, if, you know for the Pepsi picnic area, if you bought a Pepsi can, you got in for like ten dollars or something. Like they run a promotion like that. You they used to do that all the time. I think it was like on Wednesdays or something. I can't remember, but and they occasionally have promotions like that. Or, yeah, or package and they have deals, the student but... tickets now. Well, and this and this is you know was something else I kind of was getting into about on Twitter earlier, which is that like yeah, like yes, okay, you can dig deep into the secondary market. Oh, okay. I could take a vacation day to go to a Thursday afternoon game where the StubHub tickets are super cheap. Like, but at a point, like, it gets so much harder. And it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't take like a master's degree and weeks of planning to be able to take two kids to a baseball game and not blow the entertainment budget for the month. That should be like, a doable thing. Yep. Yeah. Like, well, at one point, my dad was grumbling about prices of the ballpark because that's what my dad does. And my mom goes, well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, saving up for a vacation. I'm like, going to the ballpark should not be saving up for a vacation. It should not be the same thing as saving up for a vacation. 
One, just a reminder that like while you're saving up to go to the ballpark, it means you're not saving up to go to a vacation. Yeah. Like, and that's just that's you know, the actual super nice things in life are becoming so so remote that you kind of just have to give up on them and focus all your efforts on trying to get even a tiny little, little sort of nice thing in life. Yes. That's like, why people do spend, you know, 10 bucks on a fancy pants latte because going out to dinner is 50. Yeah, so you need to find, you know, your little pleasures from somewhere because they're getting harder and harder to find. And I demand to be baseball. That is my <laughs> little pleasure that I would like to have accessible in my life. This is a personal, this is obviously a personal feeling for me right now. This <laughs> definitely hit on a lot of my, like, very active life challenges and priorities that are, you know, just... <sighs> I want these kids to be at baseball games like all the time. I really want that. They want that too. Right. But, but Steve Cohen doesn't want that. Nope. MLB doesn't want that because I mean, a point that Dan made in the article and he's absolutely right is that they would much rather have one person spending all like spending the equivalent of what a family would spend they want they don't care if fewer people are in the seats if those people are rich yeah. because those people have disposable income to spend on cocktails and shakes and they are not trying to find the 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 rich couple who has disposable income and is not going to the stadium with their family is is not trying to find the like you know pepsi and uh two hot dogs package deal they're not trying to find that they're going to be spending the money on the fancy milkshakes and the cocktails so that is what that is what their target audience is not family and modern baseball stadiums are built for that they're building them with fewer seats with more luxury suites because they know that whatever they lose out on me and my kids they can make up for with someone's corporate account exactly and that's why at city field steve cohen uh, opened the fancy like new like club in right field that's like costs like twenty five thousand dollars a season to sit there or whatever. I did get costs. a glimpse of it um when I was there for the kids on the field thing. It looks like so stupid nice. Yeah, like sure, whatever, do that. Like fine if that's yeah. what you want. You're you're the owner of the team. Like do whatever you want. But like that's who they're tar- like. Those are the people who they're targeting, not families who are sitting in the upper deck who are trying to just eat hot dogs and they shouldn't be and it shouldn't be mutually exclusive like have the club but also all those empty seats up in the upper upper decks like sell them to my kids for ten dollars yeah like that should be those should be mutually beneficial things to happen like i promise i won't mingle the riffraff won't come into your club they won't have a horrible experience because the poor folk were in the upper deck. If anything, you'd think that having a, a full crowd would be a positive. Like it would, you know, make yeah, the ballpark feel more energetic, make the game seem more exciting if you have. And like no one screams like my kids. No one. <laughs> um. hmm. So make it more affordable to go to baseball games, please. Please, please, please. Um, 
or subscribe to our podcast. Yes. <laughs> That's why we keep coming answer. back to this one because it seems like a pretty good avenue for us to go down. It's true. For a cost yeah. the uh for a cost that's far less than attending a baseball game, you can support our work. <laughs> for less than one city field hot dog a month. You yeah. too. You too can be a Patreon supporter. <laughs> um all right, before we end the show this week, we will do walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Linda Serovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, I guess I'll just say happy birthday to my brother. Uh, it was his birthday on Saturday. Um, so, you know, it was nice. We went out to eat. Um, then we went back and had cake at, um, at my sister's house. So we got I got to see my niece and nephew who are somehow in fifth and first grade now, which doesn't seem right because they were babies and now they're not. Um, so that, <laughs> that's a little disconcerting. Um, but even now, like, you know, it's always nice seeing them and, um, Emma's still like, well, what's the score? What's the score? <laughs> so while we were mm-hmm. waiting to be seated, they had S and Y on, or they had the Met game on because I think they were on picks at the, at the time. So, um, so it was nice, you know, it's always nice to, you know, see them and always nice to have the family get together for, for dinner. So then my brother, he used to, he still works for a healthcare company. Um, but the doctor retired. One of the doctors that he worked with um, would always get season tickets. And then he would send out the list. And um, my brother would always get um, t- tickets every month um, to go to a game. So my brother was always my uh, baseball buddy. So me and him have been to so many games. But mm-hmm. now, since the doctor retired, Oh, we don't go to um, as many games. So, but still, happy birthday, Polly. Um, And hopefully, eventually, we'll get to a game this year. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday to Polly. Happy birthday, Polly. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, Well, continuing the theme of um, babies suddenly not being babies, uh, my walk-off win is that our darling Ellie who um, you all may remember from such walk-off wins as her second birthday. Oh, my God. Um, Graduated kindergarten last week. Oh, my God. And she had a beautiful performance where she sang, among other things, this hit me so hard as a 90s girl, um, You Gotta Be. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. It was amazing. So I cried like a baby. She looked amazing. And um, congratulations, Ellie. First grade is all ready for you. Oh, way to go, Ellie. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations to Ellie. My walk-off win for this week is is pretty simple. Um, Michael and I went to um, Swingers, the mini, uh, the mini indoor mini golf course in DC this past weekend, and it was really fun. There's a Swingers in Manhattan, and they just opened a couple of locations in DC. They expanded to DC, um, and it's this really fun like mini golf place inside where they have like a few different courses all inside, and there's like there's a bar, there's drinks, there's food. 
Um, and it was the first time I had actually like played a round of mini golf at Swingers. We went to the Manhattan location of Swingers to meet uh, to meet Michael's sister and his brother in law one time. Uh, but we didn't actually like play the golf. We just like met them there to go somewhere else for dinner. Um, and I like walked into the Manhattan location. I was like, oh, my God, you would never know from the outside that like all of this is in here. There's like mini. It's like the type of mini golf that has like obstacles that move like we played the carousel course and there was a little carousel of one of the holes like it was crazy (laughs) um so yeah it was really fun um and i beat michael by one stroke so let the record show that i beat. hell yeah (laughs) noted um i haven't played mini golf in like an age and so i was it was just really nice it brought back a lot of memories i used to play a ton of mini golf um at the jersey shore when my family used to go there like every summer and like that's we'd... also where i played mini golf in the summer when <laughs> i was a child exactly <laughs> my um, memories are less staple. positive though mostly crying. staple mostly, mostly crying. crying mostly crying um, me too maggie <laughs> and so like i just i have a lot of good memories associated with like jersey shore mini golf this didn't quite replicate the vibe because it's very different because it's inside and it's a bar and it's like supposed to be for adults um a bar might help with the crying though. exactly yes. true or it might have <laughs> or it might like you know aid and abet the crying one or one or the other um so yeah but it, it it still like gave the same like feeling that i had when i was a kid and i i miss i miss playing mini golf regularly and it was just fun to get to do that um and it's like you know walking distance from my house so <laughs> that was great um so that's my walk-off win for this week um and that's does it for the show this week um, you can go to homerunapplesauce.com to find all of our fantastic pods. Like we said multiple times on the show today, you can go to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce and support our work, fund our trips to London and to regular baseball games, which are getting just as expensive as going to London these days. Uh, so if you want to like fund our various baseball trips and, and things. And I and promise keep, I'll stop talking about it. And keep the lights on at this show, more importantly. Um, you can uh, become a patron at five dollars per month and you get access to the awesome discord that we that we talk that we chat in every day about the Mets and and various other things if you don't want to talk about the Mets like Lord knows we we don't always want to talk about the Mets I post pictures of my dog in there every day and so if you want exclusive blue content you can you can become a patron and you can get that. you have to make sure that that B is capitalized because exclusive blue content can mean something very different oh in yeah other no. <laughs> I don't mean that I mean pictures <laughs> of my dog blue <laughs> um and so yeah it, there, there's we, we we try about all sorts of things on the discord so um you get access to the discord you get access to bonus pods and content um so yeah please please uh support our work um you can follow home run applesauce on twitter and instagram at hr applesauce you can follow this show on twitter at a pod of their own and also on Instagram and TikTok at the same handle. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servage. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search Home Run Applesauce. You should be able to find it right there. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Runda. Let's go back to the podcast.